Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of King Truth Podcast. Uh, I'd like to welcome you back. I hope you have been enjoying the past episodes that I've been doing. Um, today, I'm going to do a little different format that I'm um, going to check out. Y'all let me know what you think. Um, before we get into the episode, I just want to let you know, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, King Truth Podcast. You can follow me on Facebook, um, Darrell Fane. That's D-U-R-E-L-L-F as in Frank, A-I-N. Um, and you can leave me comments, suggestions. Um, also like the podcast. So that way you're able to get notified when I update, uh, when I upload a new episode. So that way you're always in the know when I'm dropping something new. So today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about um, three different things. We're going to do this kind of like a, um, not really a new show, but kind of like in that format. So I have three topics that I want to touch on, three topics that I want to talk about, and we'll go from there. So the first thing um that I want to talk about is the stand your ground laws. Um, currently I watched a video, um, of a Senator in Arkansas. She's the only black Senator on the, uh, on the judiciary committee in the state of Arkansas. And they're trying to pass a stand your ground law that is similar to the ones that you see across the country, especially the one down in Florida. And she wasn't going. Now, before I get into what she said, here's a little background on the stand your ground laws if you're not familiar with them. So there are 33 states right now in the country that have a stand your ground law. But the majority of the stand your ground laws are concentrated in the South where the majority of black people live. Um, a study also showed that when white people use the stand your ground law after, you know, they kill a black person, after, if they use the stand your ground law, they are 354% more likely to get off for murder and it doesn't equate the same way on our end. For instance, you had a, a situation with uh, Marissa Alexander and her case was her husband was beating on her. Um, she didn't feel safe. She didn't feel like her kids were safe. She grabbed a gun. She fired a warning shot to get him to leave, which he ultimately did. And he called the cops on her. She got arrested, ultimately charged for attempted murder and was sentenced to 20 years in prison, all because she stood her ground. But then around the same time, you had the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin incident which we're all familiar with. So in Arkansas, they're trying to push this bill through. They're limiting um, arguments on this bill. And 
Senator Flowers, her name is uh, Stephanie Flowers, she gave an impassioned speech. Now, I have the speech for you. I'm going to play it here. Um, I broke it down because I kind of want to speak about some certain things in between, but you'll get a gist of her argument. So here's the first part. This is the beginning of her speech. This is when she's getting started and it just escalates from there. Now, I also would like to warn you that there is some foul language. So if you're around your kids and they're listening, um, I would cover their ears. But here goes Senator Flowers at the beginning of her speech. Ms. Fletcher pointed out, and it doesn't take much to look on the local news every night and see how many black kids, black boys, black men are being killed with these stand-your-ground defenses that these people raise, then they get off. So I take issue with that. I'm the only person here of color, okay? I am a mother, too. And I have a son. And I care as much for my son as y'all care for y'all's. But my son doesn't walk the same path as yours does. So this debate deserves more time. Now, what she's stating there is, again, they're trying to limit the debate on this bill. They're trying to push it through. They're trying to get it, you know, to the the full body to get a vote and get it to the governor's office and get it signed into law. And Senator Flowers isn't happy about that because she knows the impact of a stand your ground law and what it does to young black men, young black boys and how it disproportionately affects people of color. And that's just not her saying that there's a study in 2017 that states that the Florida stand your ground law was that homicides rose in the state of Florida because of that law. And that the law dis- disproportionately affected people of color. So that's her argument on not restricting the debate on this. At the time, you had members of the NAACP party there that wanted to speak. You had other people that were at the judiciary um, hearing that wanted to speak and Senator Flowers wanted this debate to continue so you can hear how it affects us. Um, so next she continues on and, and you can tell how emotional this situation is for her because she begins to express her emotion. One, being a mother of a black son who is 27, she, she expresses the fear that she has for these stand your ground laws. So we're going to let her continue um, with her speech. I'm in Pine Bluff. We have killings regularly down there. Mr. Hunter knows he's our prosecutor. Now, I don't know where the heck, I know where you are from, Gary. 
and I don't know really where Mr. Ballinger is from, but I can tell you that for a long time since I've been back here in Arkansas, I have feared for my son's life. Now he's 27 and he's out of Arkansas. And I thank God he is when you're bringing up crap like this. It offends me. And then to limit the debate too? This is crazy. You don't have to worry about your children, Will. I worry about my son. And I worry about other little black boys and girls. And people coming into my neighborhood, into my city, saying they got open carry rights, walking down in front of my doggone office in front of the courthouse. That's a bully. So she's, as you can see, she's starting to get emotional. And, and that's the fear of a lot of black parents in, especially in the South but across this country is the fact that they can send their sons out into the world, try to, you know, do something with their lives, try to experience that American dream. And because of a certain law, if somebody just assumes that they have fear, they have the right to take your life. Now onto the Florida law, there was a change in the state of uh, stand your ground law. So at first, if a defendant who is charged with murder decides to use the stand your ground defense, then he had to, or she had to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that their life was in danger. They feared for their life. There was no way to escape and they had to defend themselves. That was the old way. The new way it is, is the law was changed to where now the defendant doesn't have to prove it. The prosecution has to prove it. So that means if a defendant says, I stood my ground, I'm using the stand, stand your ground defense. Now the court is saying, okay, prosecutor, you have to prove that they did not stand have to stand their ground they had an opportunity to escape they didn't fear for their lives so now it puts the burden of proof on the prosecution instead of the defendant so arkansas is trying to pass a law like this and if this law is passed then it's nobody will ever everybody will be able to consider what they did as far as murder wise, they were just standing their ground. They feared for their life. They couldn't escape. This is an expansion of the castle law, which means if you're in your house, someone breaks in, you have the right to defend your, your, your life, your family's life and your property. But now it has expanded outside of the home. And it doesn't work in our favor. I, I've said that before. There, I only know of one case where a man tried to use the stand your ground defense in the state of Florida and he lost. That was the incident where the guy pulled up to the gas station. There was a car that was full of 
young black men and they were playing their music a little too loud. He said he felt his life was in danger, grabbed his gun, and shot at the car, killing one of the individuals. He was ultimately convicted and is serving jail time. That's the only time that I know that the stand your ground defense hasn't worked. But every other time that the stand your ground defense has been used that I know of, they've been able to get off. So we're going to get back to it. This is the ending of her speech and um, I will let her close it out. And then I'll come with my final points on this uh, stand your ground debacle. Do I have a right to stand my ground with some crazy ass person walking around with a doggone gun? I don't know what the hell he intends to do, but I know I am scared. I feel threatened. Just like some of y'all walking around here up in the legislature with these damn guns. That, what's his name? Garner came in here walking around here with a damn gun in his, under his coat. You can see the damn print. Senator, you need to stop. Talking. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. What the hell are you gonna do? Shoot me? Senator. Senator, shit. Who the hell? I'm telling you, this deserves more attention. You want to come up here with all these little uh, NRA bills and bills that Alec have and all that stuff. I'm talking about my son's life. And I'm talking about the lives of other black kids. Do what the hell you want to do. Go ahead, but you can't silence me. You got your damn silence gun out in the damn chamber today. But you are not going to silence me. So, again, she was very passionate about this topic and she has every right to be. And the outcome of what happened that day is very shocking. Um, She gave this this speech. She let her emotions out. She was speaking for every black parent, black mother, black dad in the state of Arkansas that fears this law being passed. Well, after she gave the speech, they had their vote and the bill lost. There were four not in favor and there were three in favor. So the vote never passed the the, the judiciary committee. They listened to her. And they voted not, I'm not going to say that they didn't vote for the bill because of her. I'm going to say that they voted against the bill because of their conscience, because they have a heart. You know, when, when, when you look at a bill like this, when you look at the stand your ground thing, it's, it's a ridiculous law because now it puts the law in people's hands. It has nothing to do with a gun debate. It has the fact that why do we pay police officers if regular citizens can just say, I felt scared. I defended myself. I killed this person. 
What's the point of having police officers then? What's the point of having sheriff's officers then? If that's the case, then we should get rid of the sheriff's officers. We should get rid of the police department and just have regular vigilantes out here policing the streets. The stand your ground law, even though I do not agree with it, it was created out of good conscience. You should be able to defend your home, defend your family, defend your property from an assailant. That is supposed to be the purpose of the bill. But historically, you can tell that this bill was not meant for people of color. It was it was meant for something else. So I'm glad the bill didn't pass. The sponsor of the bill said he's going to bring it back up. I personally think it will not pass in the state of Arkansas, just like the stand your bill, uh, stand your ground bill that tried to get pushed in the state of Tennessee didn't pass the law, uh, pass the legislature either. Now, the, the House of Representatives of Congress of the United States of America passed their first major bill in the House outside of the gun rights bill. But I think this bill right here is a little bit more important than the gun rights bill. Uh, this bill is the H.R. 1 bill. It's called the For the People Act. And it's a ominous bill to overhaul our elections. And that is very important because I feel our elections are not as fair as they should be. Um, one of the major points of this bill is campaign finance. You have major corporations, major uh, super PACs that are backing a lot of candidates. And when they when they give these candidates all this money, but when the candidate gets into office, let's say they win and they get into office. Now they're beholden to create laws in favor of this big money super PAC that was backing them. And it takes away from the little people like us who are supporting these candidates as well, because these super PACs, don't always, they never have our interest, um, in, in thought when they're lobbying to these politicians. All they're thinking about is how am I going to make more money so I can give more money to the next candidate? Whether it's big oil, whether it's the pharmaceutical, uh, corporations, whether it's the healthcare corporations, whether it don't matter who it is, if it's a big business, they can give all this money to these politicians. Well, with the campaign finance restructuring that is in this bill, it creates initiatives for elected officials to rely on small donors, to rely on us, the citizen, the people who can't give Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to a campaign, but we give ten, fifteen, or twenty dollars to the campaign. It gives initiatives for the elected officials to rely on us rather than on those large donors or those super PACs. 
And it also requires that these super PACs and these large donors uh, disclose the source of their donor money. So it's going to make them tell us who gave you this money to give to the politician. So now there's no hiding the there's no hidden agenda. Now it's out in the open and we get to know who backed not just a super PAC, but if they do give money to the candidate, who backed that candidate? Another thing that I find really important in this bill is voter rights. As you know, I believe it was in 2012, the Supreme Court eliminated a lot of the stipulations and different points in the Voter Rights Act of 1965. So now they're bringing some of that back and adding new things to it to improve our rights as voters. Uh, for one, they want to expand early voting. I am completely down with that because if you expand early voting, one, I believe you'll get an early result. Two, you don't have to worry about those long lines on election day. Early voting benefits everybody. Number two, they want to create same day voter registration. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You should have the ability if you forgot to register, if you didn't have the time to register, you should be able to register to vote on the same day that you go to vote. That's not a negative thing. There's there's nothing bad about that. Again, it benefits a lot of people. Number three is to save eligible voters from voter purging. Now, I'm pretty sure you heard about this during the election of 2018 in Georgia during the uh, mayor race. There were a lot of voters who were eligible to vote that had the right to vote. They had nothing on their background to prevent them from voting were purged from the voter rolls. So when they showed up to vote, their names weren't on the voter roll and they weren't allowed to vote. That shouldn't happen in, that shouldn't happen today at all. Um, so they're, they're, they want to, they want to save these eligible voters, give these people the right to vote. They earn that right to vote. Don't take it away from them. And then also they want a pathway for reenfranchisement for those who have lost voting privileges due to a felony charge. I agree with that because if, if, if what they say about prison and jail is supposed to be rehabilitation and you get out of jail, why can't your rights be reinstated to you? That is your right to vote. It's not like you, it, voting isn't a privilege. Voting is a right. So why, if you go to jail on a felony charge and you get out, what does that felony have to do with you voting for the next president or the next senator or your next governor or your next mayor? What does that have to do with that? It has absolutely nothing to do with voting. 
a felony does not affect how a person votes. And also, what they want to do with this bill is make, they want to implement an amendment that will make election day a national holiday for federal employees. I've been arguing that forever. Why isn't election day a holiday? Why isn't it a day that allows people to be excused from work? You get that day off and you get to go do what every American has the right to do. People are excited about voting, but it's hard to vote if you're working a nine to five and you can't get to the voting polls until later that evening. Well, if there's a whole bunch of people getting off work that evening, then now the lines are long. That's why we have delays in election results. But if you make the election day a holiday, then now you have all day to vote. Everybody has all day to vote. And if they implement extending early voting, you wouldn't have that many people voting on election day anyway, because they'll be able to go vote two weeks prior, three weeks prior, however long they're looking at extending early voting. They wouldn't have the large numbers on election day that they, that you see when you're watching election coverage on election day on the different news stations. Oh, I'm here at the polling place in I don't know, Wichita, Kansas, and there's a four hour wait just to cast your vote. What that does is it discourages people from going to vote. That's why if we have well over 300 million people and we're going to say, let's say a hundred million of them are children. That means there's 200 million that are adults. Why isn't our election numbers representative of that? Well, we'll have to subtract 2 million for the people that are in prison. So now you're down to 198 million. If it vote 50 50, ideally, realistically, there should be over 198 million people voting. I think the last election, there was just under 130 million. That means there are 60 million adults that did not go to the ballot box. And part of that could be because of the long wait at the, at the tolls, uh, at the poll booths, because they have to wait till they get off and then everybody's waiting till they get off and those lines are super long. So I think just on the voting rights side, nobody should disagree with this. Nobody should disagree with this bill. You may have some qualms with the campaign finance, but just on the voting rights side, giving every citizen the right to vote and giving them an opportunity to vote, Nobody should be disagreeing against that. Now, the 
third part of the bill is anti-corruption. Now, this part, a lot of people are arguing against. So what they're saying in the anti-corruption part is they want to require every presidential and vice presidential candidate to disclose their income tax returns for 10 years. That's what they want to do. And it's mainly because of the man that we have in the White House right now who did not disclose his tax returns. And we don't know. I mean, yes, they have an investigation right now, whether there was collusion between him and Russia, whether Russia helped him get elected. We don't know if he has any financial ties to Russia. We know about his bank loans that he gets from Deutsche Bank. But is he paying money out? Like, did he make any donations to any Russians? We don't know that. We don't have his tax returns. He is the first president since Richard Nixon to not release his tax returns. And as a U.S. citizen, I want to know, are you giving money to people that are not friendly? Are you giving money to Russians? Are you giving money to China? Do you have business dealings in China, business dealings in Russia, business dealings in Saudi Arabia? We would like to know that information. I know some people say, oh, I don't want to know that. Deep down, oh, you want to know. Because if your president is, if your president is conflicted, with a certain person or a certain, a certain government that is against our values, then you want to be able to make that decision like, hey, man, this ain't good. I'm not voting for this guy. See, he wanted Hillary to release her emails and we wanted him to release his taxes. You can't get, you can't have it both ways, my guy. So in this new HR1 bill, they are requiring for every presidential and vice presidential candidate to release their tax returns for up to 10 years. Also, what they're doing with the anti-corruption section of their bill is they want to go to paper ballots. Uh, and they want those to be used in all federal elections. And this is to reduce any chances of anyone hacking our elect, uh, our electronic voting machines. And I'm cool with that. Because if somebody can hack our machines, get in and put in the votes that they want us to put. And then I find out I voted for candidate A, but somebody hacked in and put me down for candidate B. Oh, I'm not going to be happy if, if candidate B gets more votes because somebody hacked into the voting machines and changed people votes. So I'm cool with the paper ballots because the paper ballot can't be hacked. So with this HR one bill, it passed the house. Every Democrat in the house voted. Yes. Here's a surprise. Every Republican in the house voted no. And Mitch McConnell, the bill is going to the Senate. 
he's already said that they're not voting on this on this bill because they vote on what he decides to bring to the floor. He's against the bill because he's afraid that this bill is going to help Democrats win presidential elections, win the Congress. That's his thinking towards this. Instead of thinking, hey, this could also help us get people, get more Republicans out to vote as well. Now, yes, stats have shown, polls have shown that more Democratic voters vote early. They vote earlier than Republican voters. Okay, oh well. That means our candidates are pushing for us to go out and early vote. Your candidate should do the same thing. They're also pushing to prevent uh, different governors, different mayors from gerrymandering districts. Instead, if they want to do that, if they want to switch districts up and they have to go through a independent um, commission and they will do the gerrymandering instead of if I have a Republican government governor of a state, I'm a jerry rig this our our districts to where more Republicans can come out of my uh, out of our state than Democrats. That would stop. See, Republicans don't want that to happen. Instead of allowing an independent commission to do the work and be able to reshape the districts based on other things, Republicans want to keep it to where they can reshape the districts to help themselves. It has nothing to do with the people why they're voting against this bill or why Mitch McConnell is not bringing this bill to the floor. It has everything to do with Republicans are scared that they will lose the House, the Senate, and the presidency because ideally, not ideally, but factually, there are more Democrats in this country than there are Republicans. And Republicans fear that. But like I said, if you do your groundwork, like Democrats do their groundwork, Maybe you can increase that number of Republicans on your side. And now you have an equal fight instead of denying the people their right, their constitutional right. So my message to Mitch McConnell and to the Republicans of the Senate, and I know if this bill makes it to the the president's desk, he's going to veto it. My president to all, my, my message to all Republicans is, are you for the people? Or are you for the Republicans? That's my question. And I guarantee you they cannot answer that question because if they say they're for the people, there's no reason this bill should sit so long before it hits the Senate floor and before it hits the president's desk. That's if you're for the people. So last but not least, I want to touch on, I want to, I want to do some good news. Um, there is a story out here. I'm going to call this black girl magic. Um, there's a young 
a young girl, young woman, young lady down in um, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. She goes to Douglas High School. Her name is Jordan Nixon. And the exciting thing about Jordan, Miss Jordan Nixon is she has been accepted into 39 colleges already. She's applied to 50 and she's still getting acceptance letters. She's already been accepted to 39 colleges. And she's been awarded, get this, $1.6 million in scholarship money. This girl is on fire right now. Um, she's the captain of the cheer team. She's in the Chick-fil-A Leader Academy. And she participates in, in DECA. And she stated on, uh, I believe it was CBS, that on May 1st, she's going to make her decision on what college she goes to. Now, I'm a huge for, I'm a huge sports fan. I love college football. I'm a huge fan of the Florida State Seminoles. I'm a huge fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love the Boston Red Sox. Those are my teams. San Antonio Spurs is my NBA team. So I love everything about sports. I know that you have early signing day in college football. I'm constantly on ESPN paying attention to that. I know that the late signing day is the first Wednesday in February. So I'm constantly watching ESPN and checking my phone, seeing who Florida State signed into their class, who's going to have the top class. Hopefully it's not Alabama, but it tends to be Alabama. On May 1st, that's going to be my special signing day um, watch. I'm waiting to see what college that this young lady will be attending. This should be inspiration to other kids. We can do anything that we put our minds to. And that's exactly what she said. She said, I don't study all the time, but I do study. But I knew I wanted a change. And I knew I wanted to improve my life. And she worked at it. She accomplished her goal. She's already received acceptance letters from 39 colleges and counting scholarship awards, $1.6 million, and it's going to keep going up. So my congratulations goes out to Jordan Nixon. Um, we're proud of you. We hope you keep succeed, uh, succeeding in life. And we can't wait to see what college you go to. So that's going to conclude it for today's episode. I want to thank y'all for listening. Um, stay tuned for the next one. I'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>